All right. Hey, I'm glad to be here and uh, feel privileged to fill in for your pastor. I was here last week, heard him speak. Wow, what a great speaker you have. I'm going to have a hard time filling his shoes. And, uh, but I want you to take your Bibles, and uh, I see, uh, I'm looking at the clock back there. It's really good. I like that red clock. So I wish I'd have had one of those at my church, you know, when guest speakers come in and forget what time it is. So... I will try, I will try my best to get you out of here on time, and uh, I want you to go with me uh, this morning, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and they tell me you are used to reading all the scriptures uh, at the beginning, I was going to break them up, but I'll read them all right now, all right? So, if you'll take God's Word, go to 1 Corinthians 4th chapter, stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We'll read it together. It's uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He said, let a man, and by the way, I'm using New King James Version. I noticed that uh, it's, he uses what version here? The what? The NIV. the NIV version, the nearly inspired version. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the new King James is the one Paul used. Peter used the King James. Paul used, yeah. All right, but I am reading from the new King James. Forgive me. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you didn't receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish that you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death, for we have been made to, uh, excuse me, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, and you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have, made, uh, we have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Father, I pray add your anointing to your word, and I thank you for this opportunity to speak. And now, Lord, let your word go into the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I will uh, I'll spend very little time this morning setting the background for this sermon in hopes that you've been 
here and have retained what your pa- pastor has already taught. But um, there's a, as you already know, there's, there's a problem in the Corinthian church. And uh, it, it's a church with gifts. But it's also a church that is divided. And gifts in the Corinthian church were being misconstrued as being a spiritual status. Uh, And you know, the truth of that is, is I see that and I'm going to have to make sure that I don't run too many bunny trails this morning because uh, to be honest with you, I looked at this and your pastor said, I want you to preach two Sundays and get through the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians. And I looked at just the scriptures I read you and I said, well, there's four sermons right there. (laughs) So I'm just going to have to flow along, all right? But uh, this is a church that, um, you know, they're giftings. It's, you know, and I want to be careful when I say this. But I see it today, you know, that uh, I'm a prophet. Well, I'm, you know. And everybody's tagging themselves with names in the church and, and trying to figure out which is the highest. The Corinthians church was also a church with human wisdom. And seems as we read along, there's, there's a message, uh, a question concerning the message of the cross. And there's a question concerning the authority of the apostles, and, and especially the apostle Paul. Uh, there's a problem with those who think that they're mature in Jesus Christ, and yet they're really babes in Christ. There's a problem with choosing leaders and, and Choosing up sides, and I like this leader, and I'm following him, and we're the better ones because we're following Peter, and you're not so cool because you're following Paul. And there's a problem with worldly wisdom directing the church. So in chapter 4, Paul begins to deal with those in the church that are against him. And um, we've read the scripture, so I want you to leave your Bibles open And I'll just let you know, excuse me, what scripture I'm on, and you can follow along, all right? In this chapter, verse 1, the chapter begins a shift in the way that Paul presents himself to the Corinthian church. Now, formerly, in the first three chapters, he presented himself as an apostle. Now he begins to present himself as a servant or a steward. One A steward is one who has duties of administering the affairs of another person. It's one who has been entrusted with managing a household. One with delegated authority. So Paul writes this Corinthian church and he said, listen, I'm a stewardship of the mysteries, verse 2, mysteries of God. I am, I am one sent by God with his mysteries to tell you. It is, it is my job to give you, it is my job to administer to you what God has given to me. He said a steward is to be found faithful in verse 2. One, he, he is faithful to that delegated authority that has been given to him. Uh, What has been entrusted, of course, to Paul is the secret things of God. The things that have not been known up until we know them in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, they didn't know it. And Paul is basically saying this. He's saying, look, you may not like me, but I'm who God sent. 
I'm bringing to you the word of God and I am a faithful steward. I am faithful to the master who gave me and who entrusted to me this word of God that I give to you. And, you know, you forgive me, I'm going to throw in my own ideas here once in a while, but I think the church can use that today. I'm talking about the church at large, not Gateway or any special church, but we need to see men of God as stewards of God who are bringing the Word of God to the people of God. You can go ahead and say amen, you won't scare me. So it seems as there was some question as to Paul's authority. There were those in the Corinth who was questioning it. There are those in the church questioning his apostolic status. And Paul's question becomes then, how do I establish this um, authoritative role in the Corinthian church and still maintain a servant role as an apostle. Let me tell you, as a pastor, sometimes that gets hard to do. Sometimes it is hard to maintain authoritative role and, uh, and still maintain that servant role as a pastor. It, it, it's a dilemma, I think, that a lot of ministers today face. You know, um, I, I know that you never heard this before, but... Um, just to let you know, you know, just, you know, there's still rebels in the church. Yeah, they didn't disappear at Corinth. <laughs> Some of them grew up and they're in today's world. And, um, but he begins with the clarification that apostles are servants of Christ. And what is sought in a servant or a steward is faithfulness trustworthiness, you know, not wisdom or eloquence, the things that all the church of Corinth was glorifying. See, that was their problem. They were glorifying eloquence and and wisdom and, and, uh, whoa, you know, Peter's got to be the man. He speaks better than Paul. I like him. Trouble is, the guy in the next chair... Next to you, don't like him, or doesn't like him, rather. So in verse 3, being God's steward and not man's, he makes it clear. Hey, you know what? It's really little concern. I have little concern of what you think or how you judge me. You know, um, I think that um, you and I can take a little bit of that home today. It doesn't matter what the guy next to you thinks or the lady next to you thinks. That is not your job or my job as a steward of God. Our job is to be faithful to Him. Faithful to His Word. So Paul says, listen, human courts are of little consequences to those serving God. It doesn't matter what you think of me. I know you're going to go home and say, I like Pastor Ben better. But he comes across, and here's the good news. For some of us, or most of us, you know, he comes across and says, look, it's God who's going to judge his servant. Not the world, 
and not even the church. Oh, somebody should have yelled amen on that one. Thank God. I, you've got to be, you, if you can't thank God for anything else, you need to thank him this morning that I am not your judge. Because I'm tough. And I certainly am glad that you're not my judge. But you know what? There's, there's this idea. There's an idea that runs in the church that we seem to have. And, and I'm, when I say church, I, I'm looking at overall church. The people in the church uh, think that others are my servant. Now you're getting quiet on me. You know, we are so good at telling other people what they should be doing for us. Thank you. Go home and tell my wife, I got an amen. See, but the question that Paul raises is, what kind of servant am I? You know, it's, it's not, how did those people at Gateway treat me when I come as a fill-in pastor? But no, it's how did I treat them? What did I do? Did I keep my stewardship to God? Did I love them like I was supposed to love them, etc., etc.? You know, I just, it, it, here I go, bunny time. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a retired pastor so i can go home and not have to worry next week about who comes back and who doesn't but you know i i hear now this is gonna you know maybe get on somebody's toes but just lift your feet up i just when i hear people say well, I left that church because, well, I'll tell you, they're not very friendly at that church, and they just never... Me my wife... Nobody cared! You got it wrong. You got it wrong. I'm not denying that a church ought to be loving and a church ought to be serving... But you are part of the church, so you're the one that ought to be loving, and you're the one that ought to be serving, and you're the one that ought to be saying, if nobody else is doing it right, honey, you and I should do it to show everybody else what they should be doing. Amen. Wow, I got six amens on that. <laughs> Verse 5, the conclusion then is this. Paul says, listen, don't judge anything before the time. Now, don't judge anything before the time. We want to grab that and run. Don't judge me. Can't judge. The Bible says don't judge. Well, listen, this is not a statement that we should not make any judgments on anything. Because chapter 5 tells us to judge immorality. And chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians scolds the church for not being able to judge matters in the church rather than taking brothers and sisters to court. So it doesn't mean we can't judge anything. This is not a judgment as to what a person does. This is a judgment as to who a person is. 
as to how he fared in his or hers fellowship or stewardship, rather. I can't, you know, what you do for God's between you and God. See, I can't say you're a bad steward. I can say you're immoral. And we need to learn those things that we should be judging now. And we need to learn the things that we need to just leave up to God to judge. And Paul points out that God will bring to light even the motives of a man's heart. And a woman's heart. He's going to bring out why they did what they did. That's going to be a real revealing day. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, there's a verse in the Bible that says he will judge every idle word. And that, that verse scares me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I am going to be in that line for years. But the point Paul makes is we do not know the motives of a man's heart. And we don't know the motives of a woman's heart. And we don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And so we cannot judge it rightly. So leave that up to God. Well, I think he's a fake. Leave that up to God. Come on. Well, those TV evangelists, they're just doing it for money. Leave that up to God. Are you following me? In verse 3, going back there, Paul indicates that he's nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide. I don't even know anything against myself. Well, that's a good question for us, isn't it? What have I got to hide? Hmm. But his point is, is that what I'm doing, I'm doing out of faithfulness to the Lord. I'm doing out of love for God. That's a great question for you and I this morning. Is what I'm doing out of love for God, is what I'm doing for the love of the Lord? Are we doing it to receive praise from God? Or are we doing it to receive praise from somebody else? The praise of men. Now let make let me make a little application here. Now I can do this because I'm not the pastor and he's not here, so churches today, well not just today, throughout history, are constantly examining ministers. It's not the only thing they examine, but I'm making an application. And often are critical of some aspect of a man or woman's ministry. And and when you get down to it, what one person loves about that minister, another person despises. I hate it when he yells. I love it when he raises his voice. But Paul makes it clear it is faithfulness. Listen to me, church. It's faithfulness, not success, that God's looking for. Oh, man. 
We want to be so successful. We want our church to be the best church in Muskegon. And God comes along and says, why don't you make it the godliest church in Muskegon? Say, So in the final analysis, none of our opinions will mean much. Only our faithfulness will mean anything. I was faithful to God. And you know what that statement, I was faithful to God, becomes a statement in too many people's lives to be, uh, to, to um, ward off all the unfaithfulness that they're doing somewhere else. Well, God told me to stay home and I'm faithful to God. Come on. Well, I'm preaching to the choir. So, in verses 6 through 7, Paul deals, begins to deal with the arrogance of these believers and their contempt for the apostle. It, it seemed, as the Corinthian church thought they had, or at least many people in it, they had arrived on that spiritual plane. I'm a deacon. And so he begins to contrast their thinking with himself and with Apollos. In verse 6, using himself and Apollos as examples, Paul tries to make them aware of their puffed-upness. I don't know whether that's a word, but I wrote it down. He tries to make them aware of their arrogance. Hmm. And tells them that their boast should not be in men. Well, I don't brag on anybody else. But you're a man. Don't even brag on yourself. See, he, he, he tells them they should not be choosing sides as if one side is better than the other. Remember, you covered those verses. I'm a Peter. I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm Baptist. I'm Assembly of God. I'm Kojak. Church of God in Christ. Here's another lesson for us. We do that, don't we? Come on, let's be honest. We, we do that even from denomination to denomination. We seem to carry a certain pride. And listen, even non-denomination or interdenominational carry that pride. We're non-denominational. Come on. We need to be careful that we as a church do not pit Christians against Christians by choosing one over another. I'm not talking about cults. I'm talking about Christians. Okay? We need to be careful about that. The phrase puffed up in our language in the Greek would indicate they were filled with hot air. <laughs> That's good. I like that. 
all the boast in your own spirituality is nothing but hot air, according to Paul. Oh, my goodness. Now, some people say, well, you know, I don't boast in myself. But we don't, may not do it openly, but inside here we're thinking, well, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm not like her. Oh, God has been so wonderful to me, and I'm so wonderful to others. They've placed themselves above others based on, now here's what Paul gets to, based on what God has given them. It's a picture of pride. It's a picture of ingratitude. It's a picture of wrong perspective. You may be doing some fabulous things with the gifting that God has given to you, but in it there is no boast, there is no room for pride, and if you have it, you've got the wrong perspective. No one, we say this sometimes and don't mean it, but I'm saying it this morning, no one is better than somebody else. I'm in business for myself now. I run a collision shop. One of the hardest things to do is hire somebody to keep that shop clean. And I know that the guy working on the car is not more important than the guy sweeping the floor. But sometimes, and this was what was happening in the church in Corinth, and sometimes happens in the church today. We, we, we get all of these titles and, 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 you know, apostle and prophet and evangelist and teachers. And I'm not against titles. I'm just against boasting in them. And Paul said, what have you got that wasn't given to you? Now, keep in mind, one of the things that Paul is trying to correct is this church's attitude toward him and their attitude toward others. I am glad there is nobody in Gateway with an attitude. Hallelujah. See, these Corinthians are boasting in their own knowledge and wisdom against the apostle of God. They think they know more than the teacher, and so they no longer have to listen to him. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir on this, but the church world are full of Corinthians because they think they know more than the man in the pulpit, and so why go listen to him? I already know more than he's preaching. Come on. But we don't think like that, do we? We just listen to somebody. Am I being too hard? Thank you. Doesn't matter because what you think of me doesn't matter. I just read it to you. But you know what? We, 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 
We stand there and listen to somebody speak. Not from the pulpit, just in a group. And in our minds, we're thinking, I wish you'd shut up. I want to say something. (laughs) You are a Corinthian. I want to say something because I think I have something more important and better than them. And so I want to, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't have anything that hasn't been given to you. Hmm. Well, I could, I, I keep getting all these things. I'm, I'm, I'm resisting the urge just to take off and preach. We might sum up what Paul is saying like this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You wouldn't have anything if Christ hadn't have died and given it to you. You're puffed up. And you need to na- take, excuse me, you need to take another look at the cross. Because that's where everybody goes. That's where it all starts, and that's where it is all maintained, is at the cross. Verse 8, quick summary of verse 8 might be, So, you think you have spiritually arrived... So you think you got all the wisdom, do you? And you think you're above others. <clears throat> I've, had act- I've had people actually tell me, Oh, God has, has blessed me with knowledge so far above others. I said, Oh, but if he would just bless you with some humility. So Paul goes on, he says, You have all you want and all you need. That's what you think. Come on. Now listen. Eschatologically, in time thinking, if you don't know what that word means, these people think they're already living in the final reign of the kingdom. So that's why when you Read when Paul says, oh, you you reign with kings as kings without us. It's It's an eschatological reference. This is important, I think, to today, and I'm not trying to set doctrine, but Paul assures them, friend, you're not going to arrive there till the resurrection. We got... um, There is a deception, I feel, in the church today. And if I'm wrong, your pastor, you tell him, your pastor will straighten me right out. But it's largely present in many churches today. Where we think that we're living in that reign that's not even here yet. In that time that, you know, where we can tell, uh, you know, and, and our commands will get this done. And all we have to do is speak a word and have faith. And poof, 
There's our Cadillac. That's where they were at. That's where they were at. Notice the term that Paul uses in verse 8. Reign as kings without us. By us he means the apostles. See, it's an indication that these people think they have become greater than the teachers. I wish I had time to make application to the church today because I could preach one whole message on that alone. And it may not even apply to you, but I think that in the church today, we need a good gift of discerning of spirits. There are so many who think they have no further need of teaching Verse 9, the next few verses are so very important. Paul begins to speak about some of the very things the Corinthian church disdained. He, he points out that weakness reflects a true nature of discipleship. Not through faith that avoids problems or trials but by trusting God through the problems and the trials. There are people today that think that if you've got enough faith, you'll never have a problem or a trial. The church has been filled with saints, judging saints throughout the decades. Come on. And, and they base it on what that saint is experiencing. Well, you know, if you had faith, you wouldn't be experiencing that. <laughs> Folks, I got some bad news for some people. We are going to experience some nasty things. <laughs> Until Jesus comes. Because we are living in a nasty world. We're not of it. And we don't have to let it pull us down. But we don't have to judge other saints by saying, Well, if you had more faith, you wouldn't be going through that. I wish everybody that said that, God would put them through the same trial. And I want to admit that I used to preach that message. I used to preach it as good as, I, mean, I won't mention names. And, um, well, I'll just leave that there and go on. <laughs> you know, to these Corinthians who think they've arrived, Paul begins to contrast the apostles as those who have not arrived. Your kings were not kings. And he sets the apostles up as, oh, you guys have got it made. We're the ones. We'll probably end up dying in the arena. I, I know I, I listened to a well-known, world-renowned minister say one night that 
if Paul would have had faith, he would have never lost his head. How we judge the saints. And he begins to tell them that the lives of the apostles become a spectacle to those who live. He states, he says, you know what? He's made us apostles last. Because the Corinthians saw weakness where Paul saw strength. And in the contemporary church, we do, don't we lift up Way too often in my opinion. But we lift up that successful ministers. Or at least we look at the church that we think or we feel or we uh, um, conclude is a successful church. And we just lift that church up. We buy other books. I'm not criticizing these men. I'm just trying to make a point. And we love to follow those who fit our ideas of what a spiritual giant should look like. (laughs) Oh, Sister Smith, all she does is sit there and cry. She needs to get a little faith. The Corinthians seemed to be embarrassed as to Paul's situation and seemingly his status Shouldn't we be careful as a church not to reject those who appear to have a lack of success? And then verses 10 through 13, and I'll wind this up. Paul contrasts of what an apostle was and what the Corinthians perceived an apostle should be. Here's what Paul said an apostle was. A fool for Christ. Weak, dishonored, hungry and thirsty, poorly clothed, beaten, homeless, laboring with their own hands, reviled, persecuted, defamed, the filth and off-scouring scum of the world. That makes you want to say, well, want to be an apostle. (laughs) I wonder if we took Paul's ideas, how many men would drop their apostle tag. Now watch what the Corinthians thought an apostle was. Wise in Christ, strong, distinguished, prosperous, having good food and clothing and homes. Yeah, that's an apostle. It sounds like 2014 churches. Not all. I'm not going to take time. I don't have time to compare the contemporary church of today with all of that, but I'll ask. And I only ask it. I'm not accusing. Church, have we left the theology of the cross and suffering and launched ourselves into the coming age and not even realized it? So Paul comes along and he says, listen, you should not judge from an outward appearance. Don't look at somebody and judge them. Don't, don't, they are God's steward. 
Paul points out my opinion. He's not pointing out that you have to suffer to be of Christ. He's just saying, don't put yourself above those who are suffering. And he, and he warns us, church, not just the Corinthian church. He, he warns us, do not judge from human reasoning. And especially by status that we have set up in the church. And God hasn't set it up. Our Lord suffered greatly as well, many of his followers well. Now, if you come to Christ, I've got to tell you, you come to Christ, you're not promised the Autobahn of life. Jesus doesn't say, come to me, and we'll just ooh, cruise through life. Ooh, you're just going to be prosperous. Never have a problem. But let me tell you this, you are promised an eternity free from this life's pain. And while you're suffering the pain, you're promised a Lord who will walk with you through it all. We're probably more like the Corinthian church than what we would like to admit. I'm not talking about gateway and specifically understand them looking at this from the whole church world. I'll tell you why, because we are rich, well-filled, and may even be blinded to our own real needs. And there's not a... A lot of Christians who will stand up and say, I want to be the scum of the earth for Jesus. Come on. We don't even want to be seen as fools in the eyes of the world. We have a tendency to reject that. But Paul comes along and says, that's who we are. And that person that you are thinking is lesser than yourself may be greater than you in God's eyes. We have become so wise in our presentation of the gospel that I'm afraid that we have left the shame and utter foolishness of just preaching the cross. We need to close quick, Brendan. So, what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, and I've got three minutes left, I'm going to ask you to go back to the cross. Because, see, there is no one in this room that needs the cross more or lesser than anybody else. We all need the cross. Would you stand with me? And while you're standing there, I'm just going to leave it up to you as I turn it back over to Pastor. 
I want you to make this just a short time of repentance, if need be. And just say, Lord, if I have offended one of your saints, spoken out of turn, in my human wisdom, made myself greater than what I am because I am nothing become weak to become strong then so be it Lord but put me in as a steward and count me as faithful that I will serve you as I serve others for the glory in the name of Jesus Christ Sing this to